Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Ship show. Well, hopefully everybody had a happy Memorial Day holiday weekend. I spent my holiday weekend up in Vancouver. I was at this newsletter writers, uh, mining newsletter writers conference, uh, Vancouver. So I spent a lot of time flying. But, you know, when I came home, I came back to Connecticut. I am now back in my studio in Connecticut for the first time this year. This was the first year where I spent my winter in Puerto Rico. So I was in Puerto Rico from January 1st until just a few days ago. And this was the first time that I was actually living in Puerto Rico. You know, I bought a condo in Puerto Rico a few years ago. I moved my asset management company there from California at about that time. But I never moved there myself until this year. So this was the first year in a while that I've been able to skip through a winter. And, you know, I like snow. I think it's very pretty. But once I've seen it once, that's pretty much it. I mean, I next time I see snow, it's going to be because I'm skiing on it because I'm pretty much uh, going to be going with this program. I guess they call them the snowbirds when I fly south for the winter, except this time I not only fly out of bad weather, but I fly out of high taxes. And it's not just the high taxes in Connecticut. It's the high taxes in the United States. And you're, by the way, you know, Connecticut is basically broke. If you read a lot of the articles now, the tax revenue is, is collapsing. I'm moving from one bankrupt state to a bankrupt territory. But Puerto Rico is actually already declared bankruptcy. Connecticut hasn't actually done that yet, but they obviously, they their, their revenues far exceed their tax collection. And in fact, I'm reading a lot of articles now where they're basically admitting that they can't raise taxes on the rich anymore because the rich are leaving. And the people who are still rich are not as rich as they used to be, or they're at least not reporting as much income as they used to report. And so now the government is not collecting as much taxes. So now they have to figure out how to get tax revenue from the middle class in order to keep a funding government spending. But I, you know, when I moved to Puerto Rico, 
didn't really know what it would be like, you know, because I moved down there with my wife and a couple of very young children. But I am happy to report that the first uh, four or five months or so, I loved it. I mean, I think I really enjoy living there. I live in a community at Dorado Beach. It's very nice. Uh, great neighbors, a lot of you know nice people around, a lot of them in the same situation as me. They're moving down to Puerto Rico, so they're trying to make friends. They have families, a lot of kids. In fact, I think we're living in really a kid's paradise uh, down there. So, you know, if you're thinking about this, if you've heard about the tax advantages of living in Puerto Rico, you know, if you're thinking about moving to Florida because they got no state income tax and you want to get out of, you know, a high tax states up in the north, you want to get out of the cold, Take a look at Puerto Rico. I mean, a lot of people have told me, Peter, you know, it sounds great, but, you know, God, I don't know if I can live in Puerto Rico for 183 days. I've just lived there for almost that long, and it's great. I mean, it's not like I'm in jail down there. The weather is beautiful. Uh, It's a nice place to live. It's a nice place to raise your children, certainly if you live in the right neighborhoods. So, you know, give it a try. I mean, that's my report from actually having done it. Uh, for you know these these months and you know now I went and bought a house I we were we had a condo before so now I'm kind of all in because now we have a house and you know we're just starting to decorate it and I will be back down in Puerto Rico again full time right after Halloween and I'll probably stay there all the way through June again and I think it's you know it's going to be a lifestyle that that I enjoy just being in Connecticut for the summer and a little bit of spring and the, the early part of fall, which I think is the prettiest time to be here. And then I'm out before the snow hits the ground. I'm down in Puerto Rico on the beach and I'm staying there. And so, again, anybody who has thought about it, if you don't know about it, just go check it out. Uh, you know, the, the tax benefits are Act 20 and Act 22 that you qualify for. If you're living in Puerto Rico, your capital gains tax is zero, right? That's it. No federal tax, no Puerto Rico tax. All your capital gains are tax free. And if you have a business, you can operate your business and you pay a 4% corporate tax and you can pay out the profits to yourself as a dividend and the dividends are tax free. So, uh, you know, it's basically the lowest tax situation that you can get yourself into if you're going to file your returns and pay your taxes the way the IRS expects you to. Uh, This is the best way to do it. You're not leaving the country. You're still in the United States. You know, you still have a U.S. passport. You don't have to pay any exit tax. You can come as go as you please. You just have to make sure you spend uh, the majority of your time in Puerto Rico. You develop a closer connection to Puerto Rico, which is not hard to do, especially if, like me, you really like it down there. And they've got great people. The the restaurants are good. You know, I mean, it's not perfect, but believe me, the the positives way outweigh the negatives. I mean, even, even if you didn't have the tax breaks, it's a nice place to live, but the tax breaks make it that much better. And it also makes it easier for you to afford it because now if you're going to have two homes and you're going to do all that extra traveling, it would be a lot of expensive. It would be expensive if you also had to continue to pay the taxes. But pretty much your tax savings will pay for all of your costs of living in Puerto Rico, and then you'll still have money left over. So I read this article about box office. And, you know, holiday weekends are usually a good time for Hollywood, right? Memorial weekend is a big weekend to kick off the summer box office for Hollywood. And I read this article that said that box office for this Memorial Day weekend was the the weakest since 1999. Now, that's that's quite some time ago, right? 1999. Why is that? You know, why are people not going to the movies um, 
this this Memorial Day. Now, I know some people could say, well, you know, the movies weren't any good. Well, I don't know. I mean, are they better or worse? I mean, yeah, maybe there's going to be some Memorial Days where the movies are better than others. But you got to go all the way back to 1999. You're going to tell me that the movies that came out this Memorial Day weekend were so bad that you have to go all the way back to 1999 to find a, a weekend where the movies were as bad as the movies were that just came out? Or is there something more to it? Is this just more anecdotal evidence that Americans are just broke, that they just don't have a lot of money, and so they're not going to the movies? Now, sure, you know, you could say, well, people have more choices. They can watch Netflix. But, hey, this is not the first year they've had Netflix. They had Netflix last year. They had Netflix the year before. Uh, so people certainly had these options in, in years past, yet you know they, they went to the box office more than they did this Memorial Day weekend. I mean, I think it's more likely that this is just another piece of evidence that supports the fact that the consumer is in much worse shape than is generally perceived. Because it's happening all across the economy. It's happening in retail sales. It's happening at restaurants. It's happening now with automobiles. I'm reading more and more articles now about the slowdown in the automobile sector, about the buildup in inventory of used cars, about delinquencies starting to uh, climb now in, in cars. It's still, you know, it's still not at an alarming rate, but you have to start thinking forward about what's going to happen. And, you know, when it comes to the, the automobile loans, too, it's not just the delinquencies. It's the fact that so many people have leases. And just because they're not delinquent doesn't mean that the industry isn't in trouble because a lot of the people are going to turn in their cars and that's going to be it. And then, you know, the, the, the lessor is going to be stuck with a car that's worth a lot less than they thought. And so there's going to be a lot of losses coming uh, among holders of automobile securitized loans or leases. But if you look at all this anecdotal evidence and add it up, it confirms that the economy is weakening. In fact, I mentioned on my last podcast that the Fed in their minutes indicated that they wanted evidence that the slowdown that we had in Q1 was um, transitory. And they're not getting it. In fact, we got more weak economic data that has come out this week. Uh, you know, some of the data beats estimates, but more of it misses estimates. In fact, even the Fed's own uh, Bayes book that came out earlier today, in the Bayes book, you have the Fed admitting that a lot of the optimism that was there before is fading. And a lot of the districts are starting to report uh, some evidence of this. And people are getting concerned that maybe the economy isn't going to be as strong as they thought. And in fact, Lyle Brainerd, I think yesterday she was out, she gave a speech and she hinted that even though she thought that a rate hike would be appropriate soon, you know, and they keep saying soon, right? They never say a rate hike would be appropriate in June, right? Or in two weeks, right? Even though she's speaking two weeks before the meeting where everybody is certain the Fed's going to raise rates, she doesn't say it'll be appropriate to raise rates at our next meeting. It's soon. Well, what could soon could be anything. I mean, soon could still be in a few months. So who knows what soon is? But I think she knows that everybody is going to think soon means as soon as we can. And as soon as they can is the next meeting, even though there's no rule that says the Fed has to wait for a meeting to hike rates. I mean, the Fed could hike rates whenever they want. It doesn't have to. Do, they don't have to do it at a meeting. 
but they've gotten into this habit of only moving interest rates when there is a, a meeting. But what she said was that because the inflation numbers have been lower than she expected or the Fed expected, that maybe it's time to rethink this. So that she's saying that it may be appropriate to raise rates soon, but maybe not, right? Maybe we should rethink this because inflation is not high enough. Inflation is still too low. So maybe this idea that we should raise rates soon, maybe we shouldn't do it. So you're starting to see this from the Fed now, talking about needing evidence. Maybe they need to rethink what they're doing, indicatings of economic softness. Yet despite that, the markets are still pricing in pretty much the certainty of a Fed rate hike, although I don't think it's quite 100% anymore. I think it's closer to 90% than 100%. So there's still you know, a small possibility that the Fed may not raise rates in June. And, you know, I think if they do raise rates in June, though, at this point, they will probably try to dampen expectations for that second rate hike by saying that, you know, they really want to wait and see before they, you know, jump to any conclusions, because they're obviously going to need more evidence. I mean, how much evidence are they going to get over the next couple of weeks? I mean, obviously, they're going to get the uh, jobs number, right? That comes out on Friday. So that's the biggest piece of economic data that they're going to get. Uh, and that's uh, the, the, the jobs report for May. And that comes Friday. You know, normally today, we would have gotten the ADP number, the private payroll number, to give you maybe a little bit of indication of how it's going to go. But we didn't get it because of the Memorial Day holiday. So what happened was we get that tomorrow. We're going to get the, um, the ADP number. But we get the official number on Friday. We also get the trade deficit which also could weigh on GDP. We've been getting bigger and bigger trade deficits, and they're looking for $46 billion, a $46.1 billion for the April trade deficit. The, last, the March one was $43.7 billion. So that bigger trade deficit means that it'll take more at, away from GDP in, in April than it did in March. But we'll see that number could be bigger. But if we get a smaller than expected, rather, increase in employment. The consensus is 185,000 jobs. Remember, last month, we got 211,000 jobs, which was above the estimate. So if we end up being substantially below it, then that could be uh, a sign that the Fed may, in fact, rethink the uh, the rate hike. But, I mean, obviously, if we're anywhere between maybe 150,000 to 250,000, it probably doesn't change anything. But if we're you know, if we're below 100,000, you know, you could see a reduction in the, the probability of a Fed rate hike. You know, we have had a lot of these uh, stronger than expected reports that, uh, you know, so the odds are we'll probably get another one. I mean, you, you know, we keep creating all these part time jobs, these low paying jobs. That's been the trend. So I don't know that that's going to change. But if we do get a weaker than expected number, a significantly weakened number, there could be a big day in the markets because the markets may, in fact, think, wait a minute, this is this number is weak enough that if the Fed is 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 looking for proof that Q1 was an aberration, was transitory, then this flies in the face of that. If we get another strong number, you know, it probably means that it's a lock, although we've always been getting strong numbers in the jobs numbers, at least strong the way the market looks at it, you know, in the neighborhood of 200,000, which in reality isn't that strong. But as far as the Fed's concerned, also they look at average hourly earnings, which are spe- expected to be up just 0.2 tenths of a percent. So the bar is already set pretty low there. Uh, so they're not looking for any kind of big jump in wages. 
Uh, so, but if that number is is negative, right? If that number is negative, then um, that could be something that could cause the Fed to, you know, suggest that maybe the rate hike is not necessarily on for sure. And then we can see some real movement in the markets because you look at what's happening in the dollar. The dollar index closed at a new low for the year today. It's at about a six-month closing low, maybe a little bit more. It's not the lowest it's been in six months because it has traded lower than this, I think, just briefly. But it hasn't closed lower than this. And we did close below 97 today. Uh, in the dollar index. The price of gold continues to rise. It was up again today. This is the highest gold has been since, I think, mid-April. We got above 1270 intraday. We closed just a hair below it. But continuing the trend, gold stocks were down. I mean, I think the GDX was barely positive today. The GDXJ was down again. It was down today, down yesterday. Uh, so gold stocks continue to trade weak in the face of rising gold prices. And again, what this has been telling me, because this has been going on now for quite some time, is that the investors do not believe this rally. Because if they believed it, they would be bidding up gold stocks. They don't believe it. So they're selling gold stocks. They're even selling gold stocks as the price of gold is rising. But if I were a betting man, I think the chart, if you look at a chart right now on the price of gold, I think it looks good. I think I think we're setting ourselves up for a big move. And I think the gold stocks are completely missing this rally. They just don't believe it's coming. And in fact, I think there probably are a lot of people that are saying, oh, the gold rally is, isn't real because look, it's not getting confirmed by the gold stocks. So the weakness in the gold stocks may be one of the reasons that people don't believe the rally. And so they sell even more gold stocks. And so it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that the weakness in the gold stocks causes more weakness because people think, aha, the gold rally is not going to last because look how weak the gold stocks are. But what that does mean, though, is if we get a big pop in the price of gold, 20, 30, 40 bucks or something like that, then the gold stocks not only have to rise because of that rally, but they have to rise because of the big sell-off that they've been pricing in for the last month or two that never actually materialized. So they're going to have a lot of lost ground to make up. Oh, before I forget, too, I wanted to mention Freedom Fest is coming up. One of my favorite conferences that I go to. It's always in the summer. Uh, this year, it's a little later than normal in July. It's July 19th to the 22nd at the Paris Resort in Las Vegas. And it's a great conference. I'm there for the entire conference. Uh, we have a booth. We, I think it's going to be the reps, a couple of the reps from the uh, Los Angeles office. That will be out at the Las Vegas Money Show. So it's you know it's not just me. I mean I'm there and I give my talks, but there's a lot of really good speakers out there. A lot of liberty-minded people. It's a good opportunity to meet other liberty-minded people. I mean this thing started off as a small conference. I was at the very first one. I remember it was kind of part of the Money Show, uh, but it just got bigger and bigger. Mark Skousen has done a really really good job of building this conference up. And it's really one of the premier events of the year for free market people to come and, and, and meet each other and listen to a lot of good speakers. I mean, there are people there that have to do with investments because Mark Skousen, you know, his origins, uh, he, uh, he writes an investment newsletter, but it's, it's way beyond that. It's a lot of politics there. They have a film festival there. Normally, you know, you wouldn't think about going to Vegas in July because it's not a great time of year to be there because it's so hot. But believe me, you won't even leave the hotel. There's so much stuff going on. 
uh, that the only time you'll be doing anything is at night. And at night, it's not bad, you know, because even though it's hot, it's dark. So there's no sun shining on you. Uh, and, of course, that's, you know, you have plenty of time to have fun in Las Vegas in the evening and spend your days uh, at Freedom Fest. So, again, you got to sign up. There is a cost. I forget what it is. But I do think you get a discount if you mention me. So you can go on the website and sign up. Uh, freedomfest.com or there's a number there you can call in but you got to get a ticket in advance you just can't show up but if you've never been there it's definitely worth it and it's always you know, it's always fun to be in vegas uh so again um freedom fest at the paris july 19th through the 22nd one more thing that i want you to watch is the chinese yuan because the yuan just hit just yesterday hit a six and a half month high and there are so many people, I've mentioned this before on this podcast, there are a lot of smart hedge funds that are short the yuan. And you know what? They've actually been making good money on this trade. I mean, the yuan actually fell more than I thought it would have fallen. And the strength of the dollar you know, didn't seem to affect, or the weakness, the renewed weakness in the dollar didn't seem to affect the yuan until just recently. Now the yuan is starting to strengthen and this could be the beginning of a much bigger move up because i think a lot of traders have been suckered into this bear trap you know a bear trap is you know where you get a lot of bearish bets that come into a position and then you know then the market goes the other way i mean they get trapped into it and so many people thought it was a slam dunk that the yuan was going to collapse because it was pegged to the dollar and the dollar was so strong and the strong dollar was going to force China to abandon the peg. Well, I always said, well, but the the anticipation of a strong dollar is, is wrong because the dollar is not going to be as strong as people think. And eventually the dollar is going to collapse when the Fed is not able to deliver the rate hikes that were the basis for the strong dollar. But more importantly, when the Fed has to actually reverse course and withdraw the rate hikes, go back down to zero and do QE4. And the fact that the dollar continues to weaken, and the fact that, as I said today, the dollar is closed at a new six-month low, despite the fact that there's a 90-plus percent probability that the Fed is about to hike rates in less than two weeks. Well, everybody knows, right, according to all the Wall Street uh, you know, dogma, higher interest rates are good for the dollar, right? If the Fed raises rates, the dollar is going to go up. If the Fed raises rates, gold's going to go down. Well, everybody expects the Fed to raise rates, yet the opposite is happening. The dollar is falling and gold is rising. And I think, again, regardless, if the Fed does, does raise rates at its June meeting, I think the dollar continues to fall on the rate hike, and I think gold continues to rise. On the other hand, if the Fed does not raise interest rates, gold's going to take off and the dollar's going to tank. So to me, I think it's a great trade because either you make a little right away or you make a lot right away. Either it's a buy the rumor, sell the fact, or it's a buy the rumor and then sell the fact even harder because there is no fact because the rumor was false. And if this happens, this could be particularly problematic for people who are short the yuan because there could be so much momentum because once the dollar turns and it's going down, then there's no more pressure on the Bank of China, right? They don't have to worry about trying to keep their currency from falling against the dollar when the dollar is falling. 
Now, all of a sudden, their currency is falling against all the other currencies that are rising against the dollar. And I think that the more likely scenario for the yuan is not that the exchange rate is adjusted downward, but that it goes up, that when the dollar really starts to fall, that the Chinese let their currency rise. Now, maybe it might not rise as fast as other currencies, but it will rise. And that is not what was happening, really, when the Fed was doing QE1 for the first time. And the Chinese, everybody was trying to, to keep the dollar from, from rising. But I don't think that's going to happen again, especially with Trump out there talking about currency manipulation. Other countries don't play fair. They're manipulating their currencies. Believe me, when the dollar starts to drop, nobody wants to be accused of manipulating their currencies. So I don't think people are going to come in to try to prop up the dollar like they have in the past which means this dollar decline could be a much, much bigger decline and happen much more rapidly than it has in the past. Now, I will do another podcast on Friday and go over the jobs report and the reaction in the market to that report, particularly in the currency markets and the precious metals market. So make sure and look forward to that uh, Friday podcast. 